Testing, testing. One, two, three. Check your audio. Testing, testing. One, two, three. Hello and welcome back to the, I nearly said hairy bikers then, wrong, <laughs> the Grumpy Biker Show. Grumpy Biker. <clears throat> With me, Joe, and my dad, the original uh, Grumpy Biker himself, Andy. How are you doing, mate? Uh, very good, mate, yeah, very good. Uh, got my first track down to my belt for this year. Um, oh, very nice. I can see you've uh, come sporting your uh, Anglesey circuit. Oh, the Anglesey shirt, shirt as yeah. well. Is that oil down it or is that breakfast or...? It's probably a bit of both. Okay, well, but, fortunately, uh, it's, um, we're, we're audio only at the moment. We're not recording <laughs> uh, video, are we? But yeah, um, welcome back to the show. It's uh, it's It's been a few weeks. We've had um, a little bit of a break as obviously the uh, newest member of the crew has entered the world. My son and your grandson, little Rudy. So, uh, so yeah, welcome to the world, Rudy. I'm absolutely shattered and <laughs> starting to forget the... Uh, the difference between day and night and sleep and and whatever else so apologies listeners if there is uh some ramblings of a madman today that's that's purely me for once and not my dad but uh but yeah welcome back it's good to be back in the studio stroke office stroke shed in my garden but uh but yeah all's good so straight on to it then track days we are now back up and running how yep. uh how was snetterton um eventful Oh, the, uh, eventful, eventful's normally ominous for us in the old one. Isn't it? <laughs> no, it, it it ran like clockwork. The old one, uh, it was absolutely flying. Um, it was the the weather. Um, we we set off myself and Carl another track diet. Uh, five o'clock, we hit the road and got down there in two hours. Seven o'clock, we're unloading, and as well. If people have never been Snetterton, it's an ex-World War II airfield. It's flatter than a witch's tit. <laughs> um, so when the wind does get up, it absolutely hoolies it down there. Um, east coast. So we'd, uh, we're very fortunate. We managed to, I think we got three good sessions in, in the morning. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. I like the new layout of 300. Uh, I think they've done a, instead of just poking a few rubbish chicanes in, they made it quite nice and flowy. And it's, it's a good old track. Yeah. I love that, that new section, the inside section. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I think Probably that was my best me, riding around there. It was. Yeah. 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 I think that, that's me third time yeah. with the new layout, but, uh, yeah, couldn't fault the bike. Um, just shy of 160 going under the bridge nice. into the SEs. It was it pulling like an absolute train up. Modded so the airbox since I last rode it. Yeah. At Tangle C. Fitted um, a QA throttle and altered the gearing slightly. But uh, Have you done anything with the carbs after increasing airflow? Because normally you. You know, you, you want to balance that fuel air mix quite well. Is it running sort of lean it's, or is it good? No, if anything, it's just slightly sooty at the oh, end okay. of the tailpipe. So it's slightly rich. Yeah, I mean, it's got all the darn jet kit in. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the carbs have had a full rebuild anyway, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. It's all darn jetted or emulsion tubes, pilot jets. So I think a, a lovely guy, uh, I only know him as Mikey on the Tinterweb. Uh, I was looking everywhere, all over YouTube, for this airbox mod. It was quite a um, a thing to do back in the day. You know, it's 22 years old now. It's, uh, it's old analog, but I couldn't find any dimensions. And I contacted this guy. I bought a few bits off him in recent months. And uh, very kindly messaged me back, sent me the details, photographs, dimensions. And it was... Literally about an hour and a half with the Dremel. Uh, just opened up all the, the four bell mounts, the rubbers. Well, they're more plastic than rubber, but um, yeah, just flows flows the air through a bit nicer. But I could definitely feel it. It uh, certainly got a bit more pull. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean, yeah, for well, those for for those like us, I mean, I'm I'm the same as you. I can't leave my bike alone for more than a couple of weeks. Oh, okay. You know, the, it's a constant 
never-ending cycle of tuning, modding, fettling, servicing. But for, for those kind of budding amateur tuners, which is where well, I'd certainly classify myself, a lot of stock bikes um, tend to have restricted airflow, don't they? Almost like mm. a, a bottleneck at the front of the airbox, which is restricting that airflow in. I know the milli was the same. Um, so I assume what you've done is just open up and increase the air inflow to get in more air, to mix with more fuel, to fire more power through. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they do it so much these days with the more modern electronics and the very clever fuel injection, but uh, back then, they always, the manu- they come from the manufacturers set up slightly rich. Yeah. So. But obviously, for the, for the, for the benefit of the listeners, the R1 is the 4XV 98 pre-injection. 98 to 2000, yeah. that ran before. Yeah, pre-injection. Um, yeah, bit of a, I mean, a bit of a hooligan bolt back in its day, you oh, know. Gotcha, yeah. There wasn't too much below 7,000, but when it hit 7,000, it was like riding a two-stroke, you know, yeah. the thing took off. It rockets, it, doesn't it? Yeah, it still does now. Well, these, you know, the R1 in particular, these were real groundbreaking bikes back then, weren't they? Mm. You imagine... I mean, what was its stock? I don't know, 140 brake? Yeah, like probably some huh? Imagine that in 1998. You know, they, these oh, were absolute games. Well, they did. They changed the Superbike class. Yeah. Whereas previously yeah, yeah. they were running sort of 750 inline fours or, or litre twins. The litre inline four sports bike just changed the game completely, didn't it? Well, along came the, um, the K-series Jixers. Yeah. K1, 2, 3. I mean, yeah. Even today, people go a bit misty hard talking about the K5. Yeah. If that was the one, the lightest, most powerful. Like, like <coughs> K2 is fast and K4. Yeah. That's a 2002, I think. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, changed it, didn't they? They changed the sport completely. Oh, yeah. It was a game changer, that one was. But so, how, how was the riding, though? How was the, the track, obviously, with the wet? Did, was it fully wet at any point? Or were you, no. It you were dry tyres or in between? So frustrating. Um, so we had three good sessions dry, and it was a bit. It was actually worse. We positioned the vans because Tom and Andy were with us as well. There was four of us out that day. We positioned the vans to try and keep out the wind. I mean, the gazebo stopped in the in the van. Yeah, that, there's no way that was coming out. Well, do you rem- to interject? Do you remember? Um, we were at Snetterton actually, and and it highlights what you're saying about it being an airfield and being windy. We were there riding, and there was a couple of lads sort of pitched up a little bit further down from us, and we were we were sort of on that back fence, weren't we, by where the calf is. Do you remember the wind took their gazebo? They were both out on track, yeah. and the gazebo had lifted up, um, was basically butted up against the fence, and was hanging on by a guy rope to their van. Yeah. We, we went and grabbed it, didn't we, and pulled it down for him. If we hadn't have done that, if that had gone over that fence, that it could have gone on track. the track, yeah. yeah. You imagine yeah. that it's in a it's in a bloody the inside of a gazebo at 140, 150. Well, yeah. so we 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 just it wasn't even discussed. No, no. <laughs> but standing there, I, I said said to the lads, I said, I'm going to go out in the first session. If I'm not happy, I'll just put the ball. You know, all right, it was hundred and some quid for the track. No, I'll put the ball back in the van and go sit in the canteen have a brew. Um, and it, it, it really was. I mean, I went to get a cup of tea and the, the, the girl in the canteen, he said, I'll be checking the weather, mate. He said, 60 mile an hour winds, dinner time. Bloody hell. Um, well, we, thought, we had that windy that, day at Bedford. Yeah. Which was shit. The track was crap. The weather was horrendous. But literally, coming down the long back straight, you're at five or six degrees of lean yeah. to keep the bike upright. That's it. But then the wind would drop, yeah. and you, you, you're steering the bike. So all the accidents that we had on that day were literally people getting blown off the. Well, lucky them, people getting blown off. People getting blown to to the left or right hand side of the track. Mm. It was damp as well. They're hitting the paint, or even worse, the grass, and they're away. Then yeah. it's not fun, is it? Nah, nah. But it, what was strange, yeah. Uh, we went out, and I'd, I'd got it in my mind's eye. Oh, if, if this is at all dangerous, if I'm not happy, 
I'll just put it in the van. Yeah. So, and, you know, right. it, thoughts and runs away. It was still thoughts another day. So we went out. We had the, the usual, the two sorting outs were painfully slow. I don't think I got out of second gear. You went. Because of the conditions. I and think. you went into the, you went novices, didn't you? You went into the lower being, group. Being yeah. first one of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it was, uh, it was, I was glad when he pulled off. <clears throat> And then I dropped the hammer, um, got past Carl. I didn't see Tom and Andy, but uh, as you know, Tom's a bit tired. He's a good oh, lad. Yeah. So for, I, for the for the audience, just quickly, what's the fleet? We've got you on the ninety eight RX, sorry, four XVR one. Yeah, Andy is on his newly acquired two thousand and three five JJ four JJ R one. Tom is on his very nicely sorted um, KTM RC8, which has had a Super Duke 1190 engine transplanted in. And um, 174. Yeah, with 174 brake wheel. wheel. <laughs> Monster V V-twin. Yeah. And then Carl on his very trick 2010 ZX10R. I think it is, yeah. No, yeah. new out the ZX13. Yeah, 2010 is the under the exhaust, isn't yeah. It? So yeah. 2013, so capable fleet of bikes. So you did three sessions dry. Yeah, um, say so first session went out. I, could, I followed Carl for a bit. He was going quite well. Um, got past him, and uh, nothing came by me. It was a, a genuine lower group. I think you always get some. You can't get in the quick group or or jump in the lower. Uh, and, and nothing came by. And I, I came in, I, I was buzzing, I enjoyed it. The, the wind was actually felt less out on the track yeah. than it did standing the other side of the van trying to get out of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I pulled back in and um, I said to the lads, oh, I, I love that, you know, let's get ready for the next one. Got the warmers on. And, um, and Tom said, uh, he said, you're going well, Holden, old bean, as he calls me, cheeky and whippersnapper. He said, oh, I couldn't bloody catch you. And I thought, oh, I'll take that, you know. He's about half my age, Tom. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we had two more, which, again, nothing came by me, which I was chuffed with. And um, I was picking it up, you know, hitting my apexes and didn't set the world alight because you were still aware of the, the wind, yeah. yeah. But, so uh, yeah, three really good sessions. And we we stopped there and we broke for lunch and uh, we went and had a, a bite to eat. As as you know, we never eat much in the morning, no, do we? So, good, good advice that is as well, I think. Not to eat nothing, but how many times do you see it? You know, you, you're at, at the circuit and there's a queue for the bloody chips, beans, sausages, burgers, and everybody's wiped out then in the afternoon. You want to eat. Little and often, little snacks and not, Absolutely. you know, don't smash all the carbs down you at lunchtime. So, yeah, we, uh, the four of us, went and grabbed a, oh, excuse me, grabbed a bite to eat. And um, as we were sitting there, having a bit of scram, the heavens opened. Yeah. And there was, there was people trying to put things away. Wrestling their casinos. Yeah, they were, you know, there was, um, it, it, it got a bit pandemonium. This the guy in the, the canteen who was right about the weather forecast. It absolutely hooed it down. And uh, we walked, we went back, and I looked at Tom, and he said, "I'm done." And he, he got he got his ramp out. The KTM went back in the van, and uh, Andy Davis, who had driven down me, Tom, yeah, get more in as well. Yeah. So I, I looked at me, mate. Carl, I, I do actually really enjoy riding the wet. Oh, I do, yeah. It's, it, it's good for honing your, your skills, you know. But there's, there's wet and then there's torrential rain, howling wind. Well, what the problem was, Joe, you because know, we'd all got wet on wheels, you know, that, that wasn't an issue. But it was that windy, when it did sheet it down with rain for 10 yeah. minutes, the wind blew the water off. Yeah, so yeah. It, you'd, you'd have burned your wets up. Well, this is why I've gone away from the slicks now. For, mm. for that, that same day I mentioned earlier at Bedford, yeah, it wasn't wet enough for wets, and it was never quite dry enough for the slicks. It was the first time there, howling wind, 
and I wasn't, I didn't know the circuit well enough to be happy enough that I'd follow the sort of thin dry line. Mm. And being a track day in the novice group, there were about 50 lines rather <laughs> yeah. than one dry. Yeah. So I've been the slicks now for that reason, at least with, I know the super courses are barely a step up from slicks, but at least That's if there's that very slight bit of dampness, I'll probably still go out on them. Yeah. Whereas I wouldn't yeah. on slicks and I wouldn't on wets. Well, it sounds like a good start though, mate. And I think... Yeah, yeah, three good sessions. Uh, with with these enough. track day seasons, I think the first one for us every year is always the same. It, do you know what? We're almost, in our own egos, we're almost like a, a superbike team, aren't we? This is like winter testing. The first one out of the year is always a test day. Team balls, I don't know. Well, that's it. <laughs> but it, it's always, well, look, all this fiddling I've been doing with the bike over winter in the garage. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, I'm not going to ride it up and down the estate illegally. Of course not. Um, but all this fettling and fiddling that you've done over the winter, which we spend all winter doing, it's almost that test day. Let's make sure the bike's oh, good. And then hopefully next one, nice and dry, and we're at it then. With the yeah, balls out, so to speak. Well, obviously, last year there was a bit of an issue with the R1. Yeah. I think the problem was the sump casting at some point somebody's over tightened it i think it's only um what was it 10 newton meters yeah it's yeah quite it's a tight, lot. and i think somebody just over tightened it and actually yeah. bent the casting you still got a surface gauge in the garage surface place yeah no you haven't no it doesn't really it doesn't matter now does it just be no i sold it when i finished working but uh well that's good though mate yeah. this this one I got, I found another one online and, um, well, you were with me, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I'm trying a different um, gasket sealant out now, but totally all in water tight. Yeah, it never, never dropped a drip of anything. So more than pleased with that. We've got yeah, the tent excellent. gauge working again as well. So Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, that was just a bit of, uh, well, um, it looked like there's an aftermarket rad on the bike, isn't there? So the wiring was slightly different yeah, for the um, yeah. tent gauge. But well, we I think it was a bad earth as well, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Well, in fact, yeah. wasn't the, um, wasn't it earthed against the plastic coolant reservoir, <laughs> which is not going to do much, is it? <laughs> but, well, do you know what? Speaking on that, I want to, this is something I want to talk about today. So I know obviously we flushed the coolant out as well, didn't we? Which came yeah. out like rusty water. That wasn't good. Um, and it got me thinking, you know, this time of year, weather's starting to pick up. Um, this is the time of year when people are sort of dusting the bikes off. And, yeah, yeah. you know, whether it's road or track. And so I thought, being, you know, the, the providers of a public service that we are on the Grumpy Biker Show and being as educational as we are, wanted to maybe go through the steps of what we're doing to recommission the bike um track bike or road bike but you know prior to that first kind of blowout of the year the weather starts changing some common sense steps to go through with the bike well before you back out on it potentially joe the bike could have sat in the garage six months well, this is my point you know, you know, I, it's I, a short I, bike season isn't I, it? i'll wait for that weather to get warm and i'm yeah I'm comfortable yeah. enough you know but um, I mean, the, the obvious thing, firstly, you know, if you want to go and chuck it into a bike garage and get a service done and everything mm. else, that's fine. But I mean, for me, depending on what, you know, the, on the bike, so my Ducati road bike, I want to keep some prominence with that. So that's going to probably go to Cough Ducati, but certainly for the track bike, I'm going to service that myself. So yeah, yeah. what do we think then? You, you, what are your steps? What are you going through with the bike before that first track day or that first ride out on the road? Well, Number one for me, with both bikes in the garage and, you know, sort of off duty for that winter spell, get your optimates on. Yeah, the battery tender. Keep, keep your battery uh, fully charged. Um, any big V-twin, if you've got less than 11.8, yeah, 11.9 yeah. volts, it, it won't turn over. Yeah, the millie wouldn't, start. Millie wouldn't no. pay. So you, so you want 13, nearly 13 volts. So, yeah, optimize. So battery tender. So for anyone unaware, a battery tender basically provides a very, very slow trickle charge into your battery on a switch to keep it in optimum condition and keep it fully charged rather than draining it fully and then trying to sort of crank from nothing again. Well, so, so, yeah, so big battery chargers, they're not good for motorcycle no. batteries either. You no. know, they're, 
uh, more for you know bigger car yeah. van batteries. So they have to, they're only about fifty quid. Yeah, I've got you. I've yeah. got a two. I think one for each bike. Yeah. So step one, before you put the bike away for the winter, you know, do the obvious, but then keep it trickling on and up to make keep your battery in tip top condition. What's next then? So I'll go next. I'm going to probably go bottom to top, and I'll jump in with the most obvious tires. Mm -hmm. You want to have. You know, not everyone's got the luxury of a, a sort of nice heated carpeted garage and whatever else. I tend to keep, certainly the track bike, I keep it on stands. Yeah. yeah. Keep the tyres up and off the cold concrete floor. But I'm looking on, on the road or the track bike, I'm going to have a quick sort of inspection around the tyre. You know, my tyres are always pretty new and in good nick anyway, but be having a look for any sort of cracking or any degradation of the, the rubber. And then it sounds stupid, but tyre pressures, you know, you will lose. Yeah. You, well, over a cold winter, you lose three quarters of the pressure out of your tyres. Um, and I've done it. I've gone out for the first ride of the summer on the road bike and I've thought, Christ, the handling's terrible. Called in at a garage and I've got 10 PSI in there. So, yeah. yeah. Step two tyres, check for condition, check where's good, check it's not fouling anywhere. Obvious things, but check your tyre pressures. And I'm not, I'm not open that whole can of worms about tyre pressures, you'll know what you want to run, but check your pressures. That's tip mm. two. Um, chain tension. Yeah. You so might running, have, running gear. You might have neglected that during the, the, the summer days. So before you do get back out again, sort of March, April, you know, weather dependent, just check your chain tension. Yeah. I personally, I don't lube. Or chains. You don't use tire, chain lube at all, do you? No, I just think it's uh, it just all sprays off all over the board. I've got a three-way brush, yeah, and I use chain cleaner. I always run an O-ring chain, yeah, and I, I I clean my chain rather than lube it. I'm mm. not a big fan of the, and the, no, I they all, they all yeah. claim to have anti-fling. No, they don't. I've, I've never. Yeah, I gave up using them a few years back, but. My my change was in good condition, yeah. thorough clean. Um, good little tip, Joe. Uh, cut yourself a piece of cardboard out with a hole in, fit in behind the sprocket, and it stops any splash getting onto your tyre, your rim, as you're spinning it and spraying it. Um, it just stops well, any of Is you know, we've... I've, Post the podcast on Spotify and it's down there as just like entertainment. We've got to change direction, really. And it's more educational now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I will caveat, as we do with every time we give any advice, that it's purely our own opinion, yeah. unqualified, uneducated, but take, take from it which uh, take from it what you want. Uh, I, I do agree, though. Mm. You use that like proper wet lube and it's mm. just a mess and it just seems to attract grit and grime. Mm. And obviously, with an O-rings chain, the bits that need to stay lubed, stay lubed. That's the whole yeah. point, isn't it? Yeah. I, I use um, just like a dry, uh, like, um, what do they call it, like a PTFE lube, but only lightly and, and wipe it. again. I think keep it clean is the main thing. Mm. Check your sprockets, you know, check for any uneven yeah, wear. Any and, you know, Any, any yeah. obvious things. I mean, uh, the sign of a worn sprocket, um, you'll get that almost shark fin effect. So it'll look like your sprockets hooked. Sorry, your sprocket teeth are hooked slightly. But um, yeah, so running gear, chain, sprockets, um, well cleaned. Brake fluid, clutch fluid, if you've got yeah. a hydraulic clutch. Any discoloration, if it's, it's usually the clutch on my Ducati, um, the way it was rooted. Obviously, you've got the engine heat, and it used to go really dark brown, it did. Yeah. And then you'd struggle to get into neutral. and. So if it needs fresh fluids and you don't feel capable doing it, get it up the bike shop yeah, and they'll, they'll put your fresh fluid in. That's very important. And I think that, you know, for your average road rider, that's a check, isn't it? Hmm. You know, I'm not, I mean, I, on the track bike, I strip and service my calipers over winter because yeah, yeah. I've got time. You know, you don't need to do that really if you're running the mill road bike, but a check of the fluids, check of your levels, because again, you know, a lot of people run the little sweatband things around the reservoirs and stuff. And if you don't see it and you're losing fluid, yeah, you know, worst case scenario, you're going to lose bright. Well, it happened, yeah. yeah, yeah, it happened, didn't it? And all, I'll, I'll add to this, right? All of these things that I, I think these 
these sort of little tips that we give, they are all from experience. So I'll go first on the running gear. We went to a track day at Mallory on the Millie. I'd um, switch the wheels, I put the wets on, which had a slightly smaller sprocket. Went out for the sighting laps. I did the, the three sighting laps, uh, sighting laps at like idling speed. First time the instructors waved us by, wound on the throttle and it's gone nowhere and it felt like it was misfiring. I've limped my way back into the paddock. I'm scratching my head a little bit. I kicked the chain and it was literally flapping top to bottom, completely loose. So we're not saying this because we think we're experts. We're saying it's because they're mostly mistakes we've made. <laughs> and what happened with your brake? Was that on the Tuono? Well, no, we had the issue on the R1, didn't you? Which we've spoken about. Oh, yeah. yeah. But then you had um, your reservoir failed on your Tuono, your road Tuono, didn't you? Your V4, yeah. Um... You you noticed actually, didn't you? Yeah, looked like there was a little bit of fluid. That had got the old sweat band round it. Yeah, and when, the, when the you took it off, of which is to it stop. was soaked in brake fluid. And the idea of that little band—it's not yeah. to look cool; it's to stop fluid leaking down and and kind of into anything, you know, because it's quite it's nasty stuff and it brake fluid. Yeah, yeah. But it does also mean you've got to peel it back mm. and check because mm. yours you've dropped fluid completely, haven't you? Um, prior to us going on a big old trip through Wales, maybe. Wales, yeah. Well, I haven't had it long. Oh, no. Um, well, that's a, almost a, spoken about putting shit cheap mods on your bike. The previous owner had put some tatty, crappy Chinese brake reservoir on it, which had failed and he, dropped your fluid everywhere. He'd over-tightened one side yeah. and cracked the plastic. So every time you squeeze the brake, it, it pumped more fluid out. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so brakes and brake fluid checks. Um, be saying about oil, so I will, certainly on the track bike, I mean, I, I drop the oil every two or three track days, and I'm going to do that before mm. the first one of the year. Now, I'm not, it, it depends, I guess. I, if we've had a good season of riding on the road, I'm going to do it on my road bike too. Now, I'm still going to get it into, you know, to cough Ducati and give it its full sort of servicing and things like that. But for me, oil filters and stuff, it's so easy to do. I'm going to do that before the winter. Mm. I'm going to drop my oil and replace it because it's so easy to do and it's, and it's a, you know, it's a good thing to do. Would you say that for the average road rider to do that before they get the bike back out? A bit overkill? Uh, well, have a look what you... Your oil change intervals are. Yeah. I always think it's not a bad thing to shorten them. Um, it's never going to do harm, is it, to the bike? No, you know, especially if you ride quite hard, whether it's track or road, uh, it, it doesn't hurt to change it. You know, um, just lower the, the the oil and filter change time. Um, yeah, I'll, 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 for what it costs, I mean, fifty quid for your oil. Probably a tenner for your, for your filter. Yeah. If that puts X number of thousands of miles on your motor by doing it, well, it's yeah. a no-brain for me. No, absolutely. Yeah. So that's on oil. And then what about fuel? So I tend to drag. If I know mine, it's certainly the, the track bike. If I know mm. I'm not going anywhere on it well, for months, no. I drain the fuel out of mine. Yeah. <laughs> number one, avoid E10. Well, you don't put that. Prep in for a start, yeah. No, it's harder to find now. E5, E5, I know, and it's about two quid a litre at the minute. But are you on the track bike specifically? Will you dump the fuel out of it when you put it away for the winter? Because I do with mine, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I will drain it off, I'll leave a little bit in, yeah, a little drizzle, yeah. But, um, and it, 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 it is a proven fact, fuel will go off, yeah, in yeah. time. Um, so you can. Whether six months, you know, you come to start it and the bloody thing won't start and you're scratching your head. Um, I, I don't really know, but I, I do know over a period it yeah. will turn. So, again, um, road bike, track bike, yeah, just dump it, dump the old fuel, use it in your lawnmower or your generator. Well, I, I stick it in the generator. Yeah. For yeah. the um, tire warmers, yeah, that's blown you. four times this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I spend more time, spend more time yeah. fixing that than the bikes. <clears throat> um, anything else? I can't think of much else. You know, it's basics, isn't it? But this is that's what it. check 
check all your bulbs, indicators from yeah, the for your road bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go go through all that. Make sure you've got everything. Yeah, um, that, that's yeah. It's about the extent, isn't it? And then really. So I've had issues when I'm doing this sort of routine poke around the bike, and you always find something. Um, well, I'll do Catty on the road bike. The mm. um, the side stand bolt was holding the side stand in by about one and a half thread widths, and you yeah. know rattling about loose. So it always a look any, about poke, pull, push. Any big V twin, to be honest, mate. It doesn't matter what make or what model. Yeah, put it away for the winter. Get your toolkit out and just make sure everything is tightened up to, to, to the correct tool because they, they do shape themselves a bit, a little bit. It's the nature of the beast. Well, and I think, you know, talking about, we, we've mentioned a few times mods, things to buy, things you don't need, do need. Definitely something that you may never realise but will repay you tenfold over its its life is a torque wrench or a couple of little torque wrenches one mm -hmm. small kind of zero plus and then maybe one a bit bigger it will repay you without you ever knowing it because providing you you kind of going around and everything's nipped up and talked up the way it should be theoretically you're not going to have that issue with stuff rattling loose and we've all seen it you know i've seen it on on several of my bikes it just happens doesn't it through vibration and yeah whatnot. yeah but it also stops you over cranking thing that's a bit of a pet hate of mine not that i'm any master mechanic but you know you you see people absolutely cranking things up with these big massive bloody torque bars and stuff it's not necessary so somebody who should remain nameless that i've worked with that's a company that will remain nameless as well um i'd set all the torque wrenches up for doing these honing tools yeah and he kept snapping the um, the bolts, uh, and he's small, and it was quite a low torque setting. And he, he came into me, he said, uh, I've, I've snapped another one of these, I don't know what's up with them. And I, I, I picked another one up, put it in the fixture, I said, show me how you're talking these. So he's talked it, click, and he's gone another quarter turn with it and snapped it. I said, <laughs> What are you doing when it clicks? Stop. Yeah, that's it. He said, no, no, you want to make sure it's in tight, don't you? <laughs> I'll give you another quarter turn. I thought, oh, for God's sake. Oh, it's pet hate. I just, it's a pet hate. Yeah. I've done it once. Um, it was my own stupid fault. I misread the torque wrench. Um, so I'd applied far too much torque. And all it was, was a little bolt for a, it might have been on a yoke. Um, but obviously, the way like cylindrical fix um, fixings work, they're applying pressure around the full circumference of whatever they're bolting round, handlebar, fork, etc. Mm -hmm. So actually, that bolt's only pinching it up. It's only a, like a pinch That's bolt, fair. and I'd, I'd applied the wrong amount of um, torque on the wrench because I was being stupid, and I've cracked that up. And before the torque wrench has clicked, it's sheared the bolt. And I, you know, I promise anyone out there that's, I'll say like you, Dad, if you don't mind, anyone out there that's a little bit tight with their pennies and doesn't want to pay for a torque wrench, well, by the time you get to the point where you're having to try and drill out and extract mm -hmm. sheared studs and bolts, you'll be thanking us for going out and buying a, a little torque <laughs> wrench. Worth every penny. True. Very true. All right, so there you go. There's the complete, uneducated, unofficial guide to getting your bike back out after a long winter. Keep it on a battery tender. Check your tyres for condition and pressure. Check your oil. Check all your fluids. Um, check your kind of lights and, and bits and bobs that can fall off, especially if it's a road bike. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then get out and enjoy it. Remember that you're always going to be a little bit rusty that first ride out. Um, take it steady. Get back into it. But, uh, but yeah, I'm... Um, a few rides in on the road bike so far this year, which has been okay. Some have been freezing. Some have been pretty good. Um, probably the last little bit I'll add on to that is just be a little bit mindful about your tyre pressures. If you're, you're starting early in the year and it's very cold, you know they're not going to expand as much in very cold temperatures. So you might just want to add a little bit more than you would through the summer. But, um, but yeah, that's only, mate. Educators.
Happy days. Yeah, happy days indeed. Right, well, I want to finish again um, with the MotoGP. Yeah. I've got two things, really. I've got there's two main talking points. Um, kind of bad news, good news. The, the first one, and we've spoken about him a few times now, Mark Marquez and this horrendous high side. I, I, I assume you've seen the crash. He's, you know, he's had some bad ones over the years. That is one of the worst high sides I've ever seen. He, he came down with snow on his helmet, didn't he? No, he's bad. And so obviously he's he's missed a couple of rounds. He's had some time out. Um, he's got a, a concussive or a concussion-based issue that's affecting his vision. It's giving him like double and blurred vision. I can't remember what it was called. It begins with a D, D doesn't it? Diplopa or something yeah, along those lines. I've never heard of it, to be honest. But... Mate, that is one of the worst crashes I've ever seen. And he, he doesn't do it justice on TV, does it? But he must have been, he must have been slung 40, 50 foot. He doesn't look it on telly, but I bet in real life, he's been thrown miles off that thing. What is... It's kind of my general question now, and it's a question. I ain't got an answer for it, but what is going on with Honda? We were on about this the other day, weren't we? Generally, yeah. across the classes. I mean, that that MotoGP bike, the RC213V, is it, I think? I mean, you know, we know the way Marquez rides. He, he rides the back tyre, and he, you know, he, he likes to use that... He likes to get the back tyre spinning to, to turn and all the rest of it. But he has had some absolute horrendous high sides on that bike. And, you know, it was all improved for this year. They've made some changes to the chassis, changes to the motor, made some tweaks to try and improve rear wheel feel and, and rear wheel grip. Looking at that, it hasn't got any better, has it? No. No, and it, again... There doesn't seem to be anybody else on the planet who can ride the bloody thing. Well, I mean, look, mate, Paul Spargo is a good rider. He won yeah. races on the KTM. Yeah. He's had some glimpses. He's, you know, a, a couple of decent outings through practice and qualifying, but just that bike, it terrifies me. It's like a bloody death mm -hmm. trap. And I mean, that, that last race, uh, he looked like he got the pit lane limiter on or something off the lawn. Wow, popped and banged, didn't it? And well, this is yeah, and he's he's gone from twenty fourth to sixth, yeah. hasn't he? So through, but I'll, I'll be honest, Joe. Some of them overtaking moves is rather raggedy edge, you know. We've always said this. He, he's almost we? he's almost right out of control, isn't he? We've um, always said it, haven't yeah. we? And you know, he takes no prisoners. He literally bounced. Yeah, he just burped on the Sorry. top. I'm going to leave that in. I'm not editing that out. I'm going to leave that in. I want the listeners to know what I have to deal with. As, as the brains of this podcast <laughs> but generally though I, I'll sort of uh, fantastically World Superbikes is back up and running um, so a cracking cracking round at uh, Aragon um, which I'll come back to in a sec but Honda across the patch are just not cutting it are they? No. and that no. you know they, they released the new Fire breathing fire blades last season, I think, with an extra X amount of horsepower and everything else, and they're just it's just well, not cutting it. Leon Aslan spent two years trying to develop it, and I think he was quite glad they let him go at the end. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it just you, you go down a blind alley with developing a race bike at, at the level these guys are at, uh, and it's all this run. I mean, um, Scotty Redding going to BMW. Wow, let's come on to World Super. Well, uh, absolute massive mistake. BMW cannot get that ball to work. This this amazed me. So I, I I thought we've we've mentioned this before. You know, we as incredible as Johnny Ray's achievements have been, World Supers was just getting all a bit predictable. And then we've had a really really fantastic influx of good riders and good bikes. The opening round at Aragon was fantastic, and I think it's going to shape up what the season will look like. Yeah. I think there could be a really fascinating three-way battle between Top Rack, uh, obviously Johnny Ray, and Alvaro Bautista. Yeah, yeah. And the three of them, uh, Top Rack dropped off the pace slightly late. I don't know if he, was, he, he lost a bit of grit. He's gone back to last year's bike. 
Apparently, he's, he, he ran out of front end grip. Yeah. So he's talking about now get the old one out. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. But he, if if that's the shape of the season to come, yeah, it could be stonking. And they they had a real ding dong. It was great to see Bautista and Johnny Ray sort of um, you know swapping stickers again because whilst he kept it upright, Bautista was phenomenal oh, on the Panigale. Yeah. yeah. And then he spent the rest of the season crashing, and then he had a, a bit of an obscure season on the Honda. But, you know, I've, I've said to you a lot, you know, I love Scott Redding. I love the way he rides. Yeah. I love the kind of style about him. And, you know, he's a bit of a lad, a bit of swagger. I like it, and I love the way he rides. I was so disappointed at the start of this season that he went to BMW. But more mm. than disappointed, I just didn't understand it. You know, I don't it's... get it. Unfortunately, they've gotten around in circles, and well, you know, he's got a ride with Ducati, which I would argue is probably the best overall package in World Supers. That mm. um, that Panigale, the the Kawasaki's got some known problems, and and Johnny Ray seems to develop and ride around some of these problems. That Ducati is an absolute machine. You could, it was visibly quicker in a straight mm. line than the others. And he was winning races. You know, he was going well. And then he's gone to PM. And yeah. I just don't... Whether he had his hand full, so I don't know. And that was, you know, the best option for him. I'm not sure, but... Uh... Well, no, they, they had a clear out, didn't they, last season? Obviously, mm. Chaz Davies moved on. And, and Bautista and uh, Michael Ruben Rinaldi have come in on the two factory Dukes and World mm. Supers. But I always saw that. As, as Scott Redding's last chance to get a ride back in MotoGP. You know, yeah, there's, yeah. There are eight Ducatis on the grid at MotoGP now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he's gone to BM and he was, I think, 15th, 12th. And I think he um, he, he had some kind of issue. It looked like his front brakes were failing or, yeah. or, you know, he couldn't get the bike to stop. And that was the end of his race. He, he didn't look happy, but I, I can't see where he, he expects to be this season. He's, he's not going to be at the sharp end. Doesn't seem to be, does it? And I just don't get it. And would they, you know, BMW are obviously a massive global company, but in terms of budget, you know, I wouldn't have thought they've offered Scotty Redding massive money compared to what he was on with Ducati. Probably I don't think not. he's gone there for that reason. I think the problem is with a big factory team like that, with all their resource, they can't get positive feedback from the riders. That they can't move forward development wise, and it they say they just seem to to me they've just gone around in circles, you know. But the other big one, Joe, I've got to mention this Quattararo. Where's he going to go next year? Whether his contract's up this year, that that Jan, I think it was either 12 miles per hour or 12 kilometers per hour, slower than anything out there. Yeah, the guy is obviously. Um, a top class rider. Um, he's riding the wheels off it through the twisters just to get absolutely. I mean, he must be soul destroying. And he's he's actually now started to make a few public comments, sort of saying, Well, Yamaha sort of insist on these baby steps. He said, We need like something bigger than that. Um, and yeah, you could just say the guy's getting really, really frustrated. But um, it'd be interesting if his contract is up this year. Um, what his options would be, but I'd quite like to see him on the Suzuki. I would. I well, it's a nice overall package. Yeah, you know they they look so planned. They carry so much corner speed. I think that would suit him. Yeah, mate. I. I I agree with you, and I'm sure I saw something on maybe Twitter or Instagram earlier, and and there's rumblings that give me the bike or I'm off. Yeah, I mean, we've seen what he can do. We've seen how good a rider he is. But, but if you say say it was 12 kph, you know, seven mile an hour, your walking pace is about three four mile yeah, an hour. Yeah. So it's like you standing still and somebody coming past you at yeah, a like very a good running pace, a yeah. very brisk, fast walk. And that's every lap, every circuit, anything with a bit of a stray, he just gets absolutely mullered. It, it was indicative of the World Supers as well. 
you know, even the the, the Panigale, the production boy, mm. that was strolling past top rack. Yeah. Well, and Johnny Ray on the, on his ZX ten R. But brilliant though, brilliant to have the racing back on. Um, yeah, it's good. Some, yeah. some wild riding, and and look, I want us to just, I want to give you the chance to take a mulligan on our predictions for MotoGP because I, like many others, called uh, Peko Bagnaya, uh, Bagnaya, Bagnaya, Peko Bagnaya. Yeah as my favourite for the World Championship. I think you said the same. I'm going to give you a mulligan and give you the opportunity to change your prediction, should you so choose, because I'm going to change mine. No, um, oh, actually, maybe Martin. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you would be. <laughs> yeah. I'm going with yeah. um, Jorge Martin, he looks good, it's, mate. It's going to be somebody on one of them big red ones. I think so, I think. yeah. Well, four of them are red, two of them yeah. are purple, and well, two of them are grey and green, and the big reds. Yeah, the big he red. looks good. He qualifies quickly. Yeah, He's got good race pace. And also, yeah. the, the mention at the weekend, he can get out and lead a race. He doesn't need to, to have that rabbit to go. chase. Yeah. He, he can go from the front. So. All right, well, I'm... No more, right. no more revotes. But we'll we'll both say now. You heard it here <laughs> on the Grumpy Biker Show. Yeah. Jorge Martin, MotoGP World Champion. Um, so I want to finish with kind of two little, I don't know. Let's let's call them sort of a bit of heroics and some real magic moments from MotoGP. Um, the first one is a shout to eighteen-year-old Scott Ogden. Ah. Uh-huh. Um, we watched him. 12th place? We watched him at Snetterton in the Honda Talent Cup oh, God, a few years back. Yeah. And he, he rolled in at MotoGP, uh, sorry, Moto3, 12th place. 12th place. Um, awesome. I've yeah, do you remember? Yeah, some years back now. Right? We, the commentators are saying, remember this yeah, kid, mate? He is sort of special. Scott um, Ogden, yeah. Yeah, sort fantastic. Uh, where's, he, where's he from? I can't think where he's from, but... Yeah, Yorkshire, Yorkshire, yeah, like John Castor, half, I think. Yeah. Um, fantastic result, Moto3, 12th place. Brilliant. We all want to see, since Cal's retirement, we all want a British rider at MotoGP. And, and now, you know, with, with young Scott Ogden, um, Jack Dixon, Dixon, Johnny McPhee, obviously Sam Lowe's. You know, there's good riders being represented across uh, the, the support classes. So Great, great rider, Jack Dixon as well. Oh, yeah, mate, brilliant. You know, he, he, brilliant. he sort of kept his... Kept a cool lad, um, brought P3. We don't, we're not going to catch the others, um, and brought it home for a, that was a great result. Do his confidence, the world. Oh, it's it's fantastic, mate. Great to see you know some uh, some British talent and British riders cutting around at the top classes, and hopefully, one of those is uh, is destined for a MotoGP ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that'd be there'd be nothing better to see that. Um, however, the last thing. I do want to mention, um, which has been, I think, a long time coming, but absolutely fantastic from Argentina. Um, obviously, we are big supporters of Aprilia on the Grumpy Biker Show, having yeah, both yeah. owned or own a couple and and everything else. And we love to see, I guess, what is an underdog, Alicia Spargro, taking the right. win at Argentina. Absolutely phenomenal. The guy has ridden 200... <laughs> Premier class races and 280 odd Grand Prix across all classes, and the whim has finally come for him. That was absolute scenes, brilliant to watch. Well, I think probably what uh, some people won't sort of grasp is how small an effort the Aprilia is yeah. compared to. If also to you know, if Honda had got a hundred million pounds budget. Aprilia have got ten. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the difference in resources, and so to 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 go out and and do what he did, it just absolutely fantastic. Oh, it was yeah. superb, and it, you know, this wasn't like a bit of a one-off. He's been getting quicker and quicker, and better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, Vinales looked good on on the other Aprilia as well. Just delighted, absolutely delighted. We like our Aprilias. Yeah, you know, we've we've both have or had a couple, and and yeah, awesome 
ferocious great progress. for the sport as well, Massively, I think. Massively, um, You know, years ago, they used to call it the Honda line, you know, mirror signal manoeuvre. Well, I heard Neil Hodgson um, drop the stat. There have been 15 different race winners from last season and this one in MotoGP. Has it ever been that good? It's fantastic. So, yeah. Massive, uh, massive respect to Alex Spargo. Awesome and, and yeah. just, you know, he, he carries his emotion and he let it all go. It was brilliant. I loved it. I was, oh, it was good. I felt like I was I, as nervous as he was. I was nursing it round that lap, lap, uh, think, last lap with him. Yeah, I think the whole pit wall were willing him to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice to see, yeah. you know, really good. So awesome weekend of racing. And yeah, and yeah I look good forward lap. to plenty more to come. World Supers. British Supers kicks off, I think, at the end of April. Yeah, we need to get a few of them in this year. Don't we? Absolutely. And obviously, then next stop for us, Donington, 26th evening. Yeah. Weather's hopefully looking nice and dry. Track looking forward to that. We'll uh, break up the Jigsaw for the first time this year. Yeah. And yeah, see how we go. I think we're interested to try and get the Jigsaw and the R1 in a straight line and see yeah. where we're at. I think the old <laughs> R1 edges it. But, She's um, got the bragging rights. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there, mate. We'll get there with that. Uh, but yeah, look, brilliant. Let's uh, let's kind of wrap it up there. Any final thoughts, mate, or pearls of wisdom from you? No, of uh, I haven't done a script for this one, so you yeah. say that as if we've ever written a script oh, for no. one of these. <laughs> no, it's just not me and you sat here talking shit about bikes for an hour. Yeah, um, I to all our seven listeners out there, toys down and go out the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I'll stick with that. But I will say it's a hell of a lot more than seven. We're actually, there's a, a few hundred people have listened now, Lovely. which is fantastic. So thank you very much for those that do listen. Um, plenty more to come. We've got some special guests coming up through through this season and we're, we're going to just keep chatting on about bikes and our, our adventures on and off the track and our, our jobs in the garage and everything else. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, whatever you listen to, it's available on uh, Spotify and any of the podcast platforms. You can also follow our Instagram at AMJ Motorcycles. Thank you again for listening to the Grumpy Biker Show. Keep your tyres down and we'll speak to you soon. Cheers, guys.